Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. Reflections from the Heart with your host, David Abel, is an outreach of gospel reflection, a ministry of stewardship, a mission of faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join David as he breaks open the bread of life in the gospel reading for Sunday's Mass. And as the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers, inspires us today with the truths he reveals to our hearts through his word. Now, here's David with Reflections from the Heart. Hello and welcome to Reflections from the Heart. My name is Rob Longo and I'm joined today by the Toms, Tom DeAngelis and Tom Terrace. How are you guys doing? Hey, good, Rob. Rob. Great. Uh, it's good to be here. It's good to be here. So uh, for those of you who have joined us before on Reflections from the Heart, welcome back. And for those of you who are new, welcome to Reflections from the Heart. It's a weekly gospel reflection. And what is a gospel reflection? It's very simple. We look at the gospel for the coming Sunday that we'll hear at Mass and we will read it today and we'll just ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us what he wants us to hear. And uh, the question is usually, God, what are you trying to say to me in this gospel, in my life, in my situation as, as, a, as a husband, as a father, as a brother, as a cousin, as, as a co-worker, you know, whatever state in life you're in, uh, God, what are you trying to say to me today? So if you are in a position to either grab a Bible or, or, or a device that can get you to the gospel, the gospel we're going to be reflecting on today is from the Gospel of John. John chapter 1, verses 29 to 34. John 1, 29 to 34. But as uh, we do all things, let's, uh, let's start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the gift of your love. Thank you for the gift of your word, that you love us so much that you don't want to leave us without that guide home to you. So as we break open your word, your love letter to us, send the Holy Spirit into our hearts to be completely open, completely docile, teachable, moldable, that we would be open to the changes in our lives, in our behavior, in our thought patterns, in our words, how we interact with each other. Lord, please send the Holy Spirit that we would be courageous enough to change where we're being led to change. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So for those who have never experienced a live gospel reflection and you might be interested in, in joining one, you can go to our website, uh, stewardshipmission.org, and we have a gospel reflection locator, or you can give us a call. We can help you find a gospel reflection that fits your time and, and, uh, and, and where you are. And if there is not one in your area, we will help you start one. So, uh, so give us a call. And one of the prayers that we pray in, uh, in the, the, the live version of the gospel reflection, the in-person version, I, sh- I should say, is Jesus' prayer for unity. And it comes from the gospel of John. So, Tom, if you could pray that for us, that would sure. be awesome. Okay. Uh, this is Jesus' prayer for unity. I pray not only for them, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, so that they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that you sent me, and I have given them the glory that you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be brought to perfection as one, that the world may know that you sent me and that you love them even as you loved me. Amen. 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 And what a 
beautiful prayer that is. And uh, Tom D, we were at Mass together earlier this week at St. Joan of Arc, and Father had a beautiful homily that day talking about, you know, that, that we're not the same, you know, we, we're not the saviors and uh, <laughs> right. that we need to do the best we can. We need to, we need to pray and offer sacrifices and, and do our work. Uh, but then he referred to John, Pope John the 23rd, you know, where he one time was praying and, and it was late at night. He said, all right, Lord, this is your church. I'm, I'm, I'm going to bed. These are your people, you know, just entrusting yeah. everything to God. And that prayer that you read, Tom, is just, uh, it's just that, that, that the more we trust God, right, the more that we entrust our family members to God, our friends, I think the more united we're going to be. Because I don't know about you guys, but when I get all stoked up about trying to convince someone of, you know, whatever truth they need to be convinced of, there's not a lot of unity there, right? Mm-hmm. So Jesus' prayer is, is a prayer of unity. So if we could do our part and, and be Jesus' love, be, just be Jesus with our family, with our friends, and like Father was saying, um, Tom and Damas, just be in relationship with our families, with our friends. We'll be at, at peace and probably a lot more effective in being instruments of unity. Right? Yeah. So thank you for, for praying that. Sure, and Tom. Tom D., would you like sure. to read the gospel for us? Um, just just a quick comment on the on the prayer, just to follow up, just for a point of reflection for you know for all of our listeners out there, is the most touching part for me in that prayer is that we are brought to perfection as one, which is exactly what you're saying, Rob. Like we can't bring ourselves to perfection by ourselves. We're done. Mm-hmm. We do that in relationship. We do that in, because we have to love, and we can't do that by ourselves. We're brought to perfection as one. Um, you know the many. So, Amen. anyway, so this is a this is a reading from Gospel of John, uh, chapter one, verse twenty nine to thirty four. John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, "Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one of whom I said, a man is coming after me who ranks ahead of me, because he existed before me. I did not know him, but the reason why I came baptizing with water was that he might might be known, made known to Israel." John testified further, saying, I saw the Spirit come down like a dove from heaven and remain upon him. I did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, On whomever you see the Spirit come down and remain, he is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Now I have seen and testified that he is the Son of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord, Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. Just the whole idea of when you're reading that, Tom, the whole idea of, of being known, you know, to, to know mm-hmm. and to be known. It's just that idea of intimacy. I was listening to a, a talk given at a conference for college young men and women, and the priest that was giving the talk spoke about uh, a story of one of the young college men that he was with. He was talking to a young lady, and uh, she said, do, do you have a relationship with Jesus? And he said, I do, but I want more. She said, what do you mean you want more? Said, I want intimacy. And Jesus mm-hmm. has led me to this intimacy in the Eucharist, right? So that whole idea of, of being known, like that, that Jesus knows us intimately, right? But he wants us to reveal our heart to him. And, and here it talks about I did not know him. And there's a lot of points in my life that you know, I can say for long stretches that I didn't know Jesus at all. I might have known about him. Right? I might have been able to pass a test in the religion class about him, but I didn't know him, and I didn't allow myself to be known by him. Right? It was only through, through God's grace and, and his prompting me to engage and, and accept the gift of the Eucharist that 
I started to get to truly know Jesus and, and little by little allowing him to get to know me and revealing parts of my heart that I had never revealed to him or to anyone else. So it's beautiful, the whole idea of, of us being able to know God, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, and he wants us uh, in that, that intimate that intimate relationship. And then uh, the last line in this, I guess, kind of, you know, relates to what you're talking about. Now I have seen and testified that he is the son of God. So John is saying, you know, like I've seen him and I testify him. You can believe me, you know, I guess the question, my question is like, why don't we believe or why, you know, does it seem like in today's world that no one or not many believe what John is saying? Like, you know, we, he's a man who wrote this and said, I have seen and testified that that man, Jesus, is the Son of God. But yet, why is there so much, like, atheism in the world or so much unbelief? You know, like, why don't we believe? Why don't we take his testimony, accept it? You know, I guess that's just my question. Why is that? I guess maybe in today's fast culture with there's, you know, so much bombardment of stuff thrown at us that maybe it just gets washed away and we're not going to believe something that was written 2,000 years ago. Well, I'll believe what, you know, the quote-unquote fake news is that's going around, but, you know, this was kind of like news written, you know, a long time ago, but it's news saying that one man saying, I've seen and I testify that Mm -hmm. this particular person is the son of God yet and why don't we get it I guess that's my question you know your your question brings me back to Epiphany Sunday Mm -hmm. and our priest had an awesome homily and a really significant challenge uh, to us we can either leave leave Jesus at a distance or we can invite him into every aspect of our lives right and it's in that it's in that inviting him into every aspect of our lives that we'll experience him you know it's just like anybody that has a passion for whatever sport, you know, how did it start? It didn't start by reading the rule books, right? It started by experiencing going to a game or watching someone play, right? You experience the atmosphere just of a crowd or of of the... Or or even as kids, you know, just a bunch of friends get together and you play pickup baseball or you have a pickup football game, but you get the experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. So as you're talking about belief, Tom, I... I, I just think about that, that invitation that our pastor gave us. We can either leave Jesus at a distance or invite him in. And once we invite him in and we encounter him, right, and then we have that experience of him, then it's the question for me is why doesn't my behavior align with my belief sometimes, right? So I say I believe, but does my behavior align with my belief, right? Am I, am I fully trusting in him? Am I... Am I yielding and surrendering my finances to him? So sometimes I say, yeah, I believe, but my behavior sometimes doesn't align much with, with my belief. But it all started with that that encounter. And I think yeah. probably people watch our behaviors a lot more than our words. So if our behaviors, our actions aren't lining up with what we're saying, then you know someone who's not a believer can look Ooh, at that and say, great point. you know, this guy's full of, you know, yeah. Why should, why should, why should yeah. I believe? He calls himself a Christian. Yeah, yeah it was funny. I was, I was with a, a pastor from, uh, from a church, and he said, whenever someone asks me, does so-and-so go to your church? I always say, why? <laughs> you know, and if they say, oh, he's the nicest guy, or she's the nicest, you're so pleasant. Oh, absolutely, he goes to my church. Right? But sometimes he looks out into the congregation, and he'll, you know, he's, he's a, you know, kind of a jokester, and he'll tell people, you know what, you might want... Don't don't let anybody know you go to you go to our <laughs> church, right? Because yeah. they're not they're 
not a good billboard for, yeah. for Christianity, for that church, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, that uh, that whole idea of people um, more pick up on what we do than what we say. Um, I've had experiences of that um, in management situations where, you, you know, as a consultant, I would go in and talk with people. And you, you find out some of the problems that are out in the workforce or out in the department. Uh, and then you talk to people and they say, you know, they say, well, the rule says this or my boss says this, but he never acts that way or mm. she never acts that way. So, you know, you kind of look around and everybody's doing what the boss does. You know, if it's like going to work late or, you know, leaving early or, you know, not paying attention to details, uh, you know, not keeping the coffee station clean. So they have more of a tendency to do what the person says. And the other thing that I, I ran into in, in reading, you know, maybe a couple of years ago is that we actually ha have mirror neurons in our brain that are we're hardwired to imitate from a very early age that that, um, you know, we're, we're hardwired to look at what other people do and imitate it. It's why children learn so quickly. It's why, you know, we have a whole industry and, a, you know, a whole um, a part of our culture around growing up, which is fundamentally education. But when you think about it, education is really trying to get our children to do what we think is the right thing to do. And then how often we don't practice it, and then we wonder why our kids grow up the way that they do, you know. I, I too, remember when I was uh, when I was younger, I used to think, you know, you're, the adults, they put us to bed early, they make sure that we ate well, that we didn't drink anything that wasn't good for us. And then when I was growing up in the 50s and the 60s, everybody smoked and drank and stayed up late, and, you know, <laughs> and ran around. And it was like, well, I can't wait till I'm 18 or 21 so I can do what they're doing, you know. And then you, then you get there and it's like, geez, I wish I would have stayed, you know, more as a kid because, you know, you, then you got all these bad habits and things you want to try to get out of. But I think we are hardwired to really kind of imitate people. Um, I do think, though, of the two of those, the, the most powerful would, is, the, is when our words and our actions align, because I think that's what really kind of sends a message to people in a very, um, in a very profound way, especially when it has to do, it's to your point, Tom, it has to do about our, our understanding of Christ or our belief in Christ, you know. I think, you know, the way, the way that you try to live out, out Christ, Rob, Rob is I think— um, not only what you say, but how you align your actions. And I think that's the biggest impact on people. When our words and our actions are aligned, then I think that's when we have the biggest impact. And I used to tell that to managers because, you know, if you do what you say you're, you're supposed to do or do what the rules say you're supposed to do, people will do that because that's what they're hardwired to do. You know? I had a really cool experience this past week at a at one of our high schools. Uh, it's just such a blessing uh, for part of the you know, one of the ministries of stewardship is the, the youth and school outreach, where we come alongside of schools, theology departments, teacher, religion, religion teachers to help take religion from a subject learned to a faith that's lived. So they're used to hearing it from their teachers, from the priests, from the nuns, from whoever's around. And then through however we develop a relationship with these schools or, or one of the teachers and they bring us in, they you know have entrusted us to, to, to come alongside of them to help to help bring the love of Jesus into the into the schools and it's been such a blessing and in the high school setting where there's chapels we've actually gone into the chapel where we'll go and we'll be there all day and a lot of times they'll have Jesus on the altar in an in, in exposition and just hanging out with Jesus all day so this past week we had one of those opportunities and we wanted to keep Christmas alive and uh, and, he, and he talked about 
uh, about Holy Spirit. Like when you see the Holy Spirit remain, um, you know, the Holy Spirit remain on Jesus. But like, when, when do you see the Holy Spirit? And when we see the Holy Spirit active in people, it's just it's awesome. So at this one school, we did uh, a Christmas. What do we call it? Christmas. Name that tune. Because uh, they had just had Marty Rotella, who's um, carries the flag for our, our spirit power ministry. So they met Marty, but they didn't know that he had a Christmas CD. So I had the CD downloaded on my computer, and uh, and I went you know song by song, and then they you know would guess the song, and then when Marty was there, he played one of the one of the original songs called Rise Up. So at the very end, I played Rise Up. And I was like, well, who's this? And they're listening to it. Like, wait a minute, that's that's that guy. That's that guy from New Jersey. That's Marty. Right, they're so excited. Yeah. I said, well, you know, who, who sang the rest of the songs? They're listening. They're they're they're, they're thinking. They're like, was that Marty for all of them? Wow, that was great. That was so great. <laughs> but we stopped and paused at a couple songs. One was Silent Night, and I just asked them to to put them put yourself back in a spot during your your any Christmas memory where you felt so much peace. Was it at grandma's house, you know, with the, the tree lit? Was it at an aunt's house where the, you know, the smell of the, you know, the, the, the cinnamon or the gingerbread? Whatever moment in your Christmas memory brings you the, the most sense of peace, try to get, go there right now. And then we just kept Silent Night on for a little bit. So we were in the presence of our Lord in adoration, Silent Night singing. They're using their imagination to, to pray. So that was, that was fun. And then we got to What Child Is This? So we did the same thing where we kind of visited there because they were about the same age as Mary was. And said, how amazing is that, that this teenage girl was was given this invitation to be the mother of Jesus? And she could have said no, right? And just like us, we're in the presence of Jesus. And just like God didn't force Mary because love never forces, love never imposes, it always proposes. Jesus isn't going to force you to say yes. But the greatest gift that you can give, that I can give to Jesus is our yes, that you have to be here, sure, because it's third period theology or fifth period, whatever class we were in. You have to be here, but you don't have to be present. But the moment that you are here and present and you say, Jesus, I want to be here. I want to get to know you. I want to get to love you more and serve you more. That's the greatest gift we can give him. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of you know, listen to that song. And then at the end, when, when they realized it was Marty and they experienced his joy, we talked about the gift of the Holy Spirit. Say that God's gift to to Marty is that he gets to do what brings him joy. He produces music, he writes music, produces music, he sings and shares and goes around the world and he shares this gift with others. So God's gift to Marty is is music. Marty's gift back to God is when he uses that to serve others. Hmm. And in in high school, guys, what is it that brings you joy? What is it that when you're doing it, you feel like time is standing still? That's God's gift to you. Yeah. Have you ever have you ever worked with little kids? And afterwards, you're like, wow, that's really awesome. Have you gone to visit nursing homes and done Christmas carols? And when everybody else is, you know, off to the next, you know, the next corridor, just singing, you're you're back talking one on one with one of the residents, right? Is it helping someone with their homework? Right? What is it that when you're doing it, you you get that sense of joy? That's God's gift to you. And then when you use that gift to help others, that's your gift back to God. And then we transitioned into talking about the Holy Spirit again in, in today's day and age with, with the national championship football game that just happened, right? I don't mm-hmm. know if any of you guys stayed up for oh, that, yeah, but it, yeah. was, <laughs> it, was a, it was a late night and you know, a handful of the students stayed up. But I, I saw the Holy Spirit. I saw the joy of the Holy Spirit. Obviously, you win a game and you're, and you're full of joy, but when your actions and your words match, like we're saying, 
then mm-hmm. it's even more powerful. So we just, we always have moments of silence. So we led into the, the last moment of silence talking about this national championship football game. And we gave three things, food for thought to think about. Two based on a play, two players and one based on the coach. So the, the first player was um, the quarterback from Clemson. Mm-hmm. Deshaun, how do you pronounce it? Deshaun. Deshaun. Yeah. So he, last year, was up for the Heisman Trophy. Didn't get selected. This year, he was up again for the Heisman Trophy. Did not get selected. Last year, his team was in the championship football game. They lost. This year, they're in the championship again. They're about on the brink of losing, right? But he kept going. He kept going. He kept persisting. He had a smile on his face. He had encouraging words for his teammates. And they won. What does that mean to us? Right. If he if he let those quote unquote failures define him, he might have stopped in his tracks in his development as a person and as an athlete. So for you, for for all of us, if, do we ever hold back on trying something because we're f- afraid of failing, or do we try something and fail, quote unquote fail, and we and that defines us for that moment? No, that's God developing our character. Right. Deshaun is the person and the football player he is in part because of those failures those mm-hmm. being overlooked whatever that's making him the man he is so you take this you know i, I use student council as a as a uh, as a, an example so you try you, you go for student council you don't get the votes don't let that define who you are you take that you learn from it and then you take that newly formed person right that the character that you're developing into the next opportunity and say that doesn't go the way you thought it was going to go you're going to learn some more and you're going to be even more well-formed, you take it into the next opportunity until you get into that opportunity that God has just for you. And you're going in there with a beautifully formed character, right? So don't, don't let it stop you. So we use that. And then the other one was from the wide receiver that caught the winning touchdown, caught, caught the ball uh, in the last second, the winning touchdown catch. And he's 5'9", 5'10", 170, 175 pounds. And I said, what do you think they told him all throughout his athletic career? You're too small. You're too short. You can't play collegiate football. You can't play, you know, high high level elite football. Well, he scored two touchdowns in last year's championship game. Scored two st- touchdowns in this year's championship game. The winning touchdown, right? So in our lives, when people say you're too short, you're too slow, you're too dumb, you're too lazy, you're too whatever, just stop in your mind and know that that would never come from Jesus. And I was standing right next to Jesus in, in the monstrance. I said, he would, he would complete that sentence with, you're too good to let that stop you. You have too much potential to let that stop you, right? Never let anybody define who you are, right? Jesus sees you at your potential, not at your deficit. So we need to do the same, right? So don't let anybody define who you are. And then the last one we did was the coach. Man, this coach was going bananas, wasn't he? Like the Gatorade was going on him. He actually played for Alabama. He was mm-hmm. he was a national champion as a, as a player in 1992, right? So now he's the only person to be a player and a coach national champion, right? And he's so excited, and you know, he's being interviewed, so everybody in the stands hears him. The millions of people watching or listening and watching this, and he said, I don't know, I'm so excited. I was talking to my guys in, in the locker room, and I told them, we're going to win this game. I'm not sure how, but we're going to win this game. And they said, you know why we won this game? And in front of 100,000 people in the stands, in front of millions of people watching, he said one word. And that one word blew my mind away. And in this adoration session with the kids, I paused before telling the word. We listened to a song, 
highly recommend you guys listening to it. Uh, everyone listening, it's called Hold Us Together by Matt Marr. And in the song, it says, And love will hold us together. Make us a shelter to weather the storm, and I'll be my brother's keeper so the whole world will know that you're not alone. So, I, we, so we listened to the song, and I asked him, so what do you think that coach said was the reason why they won? I said, it was in that song. And they said, love? That's what the coach said. <laughs> he said, love is why we won the game. A national champion coach claims love to be the reason why they won a football game. So I was kind of thinking about that, and, and Sharon and I shared it with the kids, well, well, you know, fill in these blanks. Someone, someone said this, there's no greater blank than to lay down your mm -hmm. blank for your blank. And then I got a hand raised, they filled in the blanks. There's no greater love than to lay down your life for your friends. So every time one of those Clemson football players stayed extra in the weight room, he was loving them, loving his teammates because he was laying down his life. Every time they did an extra sprint, every time they ate a good meal instead of junk food, every time they didn't you know, take that drink of, of alcohol, they were laying down their life for their friends. So to the, to the students, I said, if, if you're in a play and you're studying your lines and you're staying after to, to rehearse that song extra and someone at the end of the, you know, the two months of preparation, you do the shows and they say, wow, how'd you guys do that? That was awesome. You could say love because every time you did that, you were doing it out of love for your fellow cast members. That's what God's calling us. And I said, we're in the presence of love, not Jesus who taught us love. He is love. And he wants to fill your heart with love so that you can lay down your life for your friends, for your parents, for your brothers, for your sisters. So that's what our call is now. So I invite everyone, go into a chapel, uh, spend some time with our Lord who is love, and just let him fill you with his love. Amen. Um, just uh, one quick comment. Uh, this first line here, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I'm sure we all recognize that as... Uh, as from part of the mass, but um, I think it, it's it's really important to remember that um, if you were around at this time, you these people would have known immediately what that meant because it refers to the Paschal Lamb. So just to kind of keep that in mind as far as um, the reference, our direct reference to the mass, and uh, and when the priest turns around to to expose, if you will, the the, the Eucharist to us. That that's the words that he uses. Those are the words that he uses. So, and that's part of every mass. Every yeah. mass. So, as we prepare for mass, let us prepare to prepare ourselves to behold. God bless you all. Reflections from the heart has been presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, you might consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org and click on Gospel Reflection Groups, or call us at 717-367-0100. Stewardship, a mission of faith, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make reflections from the heart possible. 
If you enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting our website or calling us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of David and the staff here at Stewardship, a Mission of Faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him. Thank you.